We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the In Snowball podcast. I'm John Ledger. With me is Brad Spielberger. And this is our first pod since the Steelers pretty pathetic loss to the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday. We haven't really talked about this game at all because it was the weekend and then Sunday happened and we've been kind of getting into the tape a little bit today and and getting into our thoughts a little bit, getting into the numbers on it. And I mean, I don't, these hard thing with these matchups, Brad, is that I don't really know, like at some point we really are repeating ourselves, but we also can't like get to the off season just yet because we've got to get into the minutia of some of these games who's playing well, who's not, what some of the issues are at the same time. So we can't always go big picture, but if you are interested in the big picture stuff and you're like, I don't want to hear about this Colts game necessarily, um, you could definitely jump back and listen to some of our recent pods. Uh, We've talked a little bit more big picture stuff. We do have to focus on this matchup some. Um, Steelers lose 30-13. to They led 13 to nothing at one point. Uh, Definitely had some great luck along those lines, (laughs) but uh, that's how it goes sometimes, often for the Steelers. But even luck wasn't enough, Brad, as they – but for three of the worst quarters of the season on their way to to losing this game by a pretty decent margin. Yeah. And, you know, with, with Michael Pittman going down in the game with no Jonathan Taylor to come into the game and Zach Moss also going down in the game, not that he's a world beater, but has been a good player this year. Like there was no excuses for it. It was simply one team executing better. You could look into the play calling and all that. I think Shane Steichen has been phenomenal this year, but also I think just, simply executing the plays that were called like that, that I kept coming back to when I watched the film, it was like, it's not even so much that I think a lot of these are genius play calls that he's, he's dialing up these incredible, you know, you know, separation for the receivers or great, you know, run concepts to throw the defense for a loop. Like I think they just, everyone blocked well, the tight ends that we talked about, they have a million tight ends and they all kind of contributed in the run game. Um, uh, there's a couple of great seal blocks on the end to spring a couple runs in this game. Like it was just, they just executed better, you know, up front. Yeah, talking about that run game, that was the thing that really stood out to me. I thought the Steelers could at least hang their hat on that. Uh, I knew they wouldn't be able to cover people, but I was like, okay, this isn't a very formidable group either. Then Pittman gets hurt. You're already down Jonathan Taylor. You're down Zach Moss. And then when he gets hurt, and I was like, okay, they should be at least able to stop the run, make the Colts one-dimensional. The pass rush was honestly pretty good in this game. Like they pressured uh, Gardner Minshew on like 40 some percent of his dropbacks. He wasn't even holding the ball forever and they were getting pressure. Like I thought Watt, he had two sacks. So we kind of predicted that he'd have a big game. I thought he looked really, really good. He was consistently winning around the edge. Um, Oak and Joby had, I think his best game of the year as a pass rusher, at least. 
Um, obviously had the sack. That was a really impressive play, splitting the blockers. So it was like, okay, yeah, like all the pieces are here, at least defensively, even with the injuries that they had. And I will talk about the KZ debacle and uh, Minka injury as well. But even with the injuries, I'm like, okay, well, there's injuries on the other side too. Like you, you could still get out of this game. You could certainly not embarrass yourselves. And they couldn't. Like in the first half, Colts running backs had 10 carries for 42 yards. Like if you could have just done that the rest of that, I think you'd have been fine. Nope. They finished with 32 carries for 170 yards. They had 22 carries for 128 yards in the second half, Brad. And frankly, it didn't even look like the Steelers wanted to be there defensively. It was just embarrassing. Like it's not only a team that like we could talk about talent and skill and functionality and like how the defense is called and fronts and alignments. It just genuinely didn't look like they wanted to play in the second half. And I've said a lot of criticism to Tomlin over the years, but I haven't seen this like where a team just doesn't feel like they have heart. Um, and there were a few times that was referenced um, at the end of Ben Roethlisberger's era, like where people were like, oh, it doesn't look like this group has the same heart that they had in the past, especially in the trenches. And I thought that got better last year, to be honest with you. And this has just been a total disaster the last couple of weeks. I mean, you could point to multiple players almost every game where you're like, what are they doing here? Like, where's the effort? You know, and obviously the wide receivers have kind of um, commanded the most attention in that regard. But just focusing on the defensive side, which I thought the offense is such a disaster. We'll definitely get to it. But the defensive side, I just thought was so disappointing. They can't cover anyone. The pass rush got home and it didn't even matter. Um, Minji was still able to complete passes even while under pressure in this game. His numbers were good because it just didn't matter. People were wide open all the time and then they can't cover underneath at all. Almost, you know, almost all short game stuff. Hardly any big splash plays down the field but it was enough. They just picked him apart and the Steelers just can't do anything consistently well other than I wouldn't even say the season rush the passer in this game. I thought it was fine, but you just can't do anything consistently. Well, there's no strength of the team to hang your hat on it. Even when they feels like they're getting the run game going, it feels like they're stopping the run. Those things blow up in their face last couple of weeks. For sure. And I think this was kind of a nightmarish once, once the Colts got going, um, they almost like established RPO. Like the run game, it wasn't great, but it was, it was effective enough. And then, they just had very simple, you know, they lead the league in, in RPO, uh, you know, about 26% of their plays. And you saw a couple times, too, they would do, like, play action where Minshew would actually drop back the opposite direction of where the, the run play was flowing. There was a bunch of pin and pull with great down blocks. And then Quentin Nelson would pull. That was one I saw in the third quarter. That was, like, a, a, an explosive gain. Um, and I mentioned the tight ends were great. Like, it was – it again, it wasn't really – like you said, like Minshew didn't have to sit in the pocket. He just basically, his first read was open a ton of the time on like a simple slant or, uh, you know, a quick out, something like that. And it was DJ Montgomery. It was, um, you know, Alec Pierce had a pretty good game in this game. Like it was, it was guys that really have not been productive so far this season, but yeah, I mean, they just, they were able to get a lot of those seven, eight yard gains. And then the run game, like you said, came to life in the second half, but it, it just like not complicated. Uh, I just keep coming back to that when I watch it over and over again. It was just they just kind of got got what they wanted throughout the game. That's exactly right. I mean, for all the and I love Steich and I think he should be in the conversation for coach of the year for sure. But I just didn't even feel like he had the pieces in this game. Like I didn't even feel like he was even that like, oh, man, he's just killing them out. It was just like, oh, yeah. Like Zach Moss, who's not even this great receiving back. Yeah, you can kill Michael Walker out there. Like, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, we're just continuing to walk into the same thing over and over again. And Patrick Peterson was bad again. Like, just guys breaking him off the top of routes. And he's, like, flying five yards past the catch point. I'm just like, what is this guy doing? Like, he can't stop anymore. He can't start again. Like, 
just Aspen playing man coverage is a disaster, and that's why Minnesota never did it last year, and the Steelers just completely failed to take that into account in their analysis of them. How do you not take something like that into account when you're making a decision like that for the offseason? Oh, this guy, you know, he's old. He's still pretty good. We love him as a person, veteran, you know, leader. That's like didn't take into account the fact that he was going to play in a completely different scheme and a completely like, zone heaviest team in the league last year. He, like basically never played man. It was unbelievable. Like, and he and he looked good in that scheme. And they thought that that could somehow translate into some of the things he's been asked to do this season. Just absolutely out of control. Like that, an NFL coaching staff could analyze the situation that surface level. It just blows my mind. And so that you start to get exposed in this game as well. And. It it was, I mean, then the the Fitzpatrick injury. Peterson's late to the ball, and he hits Fitzpatrick and injures him. And it's just like, what is? I mean, it looks like a clown show at times. Like, I don't know that there's been a worse product the last three games on the field. Like, you take any three games from any team this season, I think, and put it up against the last three games for Pittsburgh. I don't know that there's been a worse product of team playing three worse games than what we've seen from Pittsburgh the last three games. Like, I'd put it up against anybody, the Panthers, anybody in the league this year. It's been that pitiful. Absolutely, because I think the last thing for me, too, and this is unfortunately a byproduct of all the injuries, like, there were so many communication breakdowns in this game, and I think it almost went maybe under, like, appreciated, because I guess there weren't any coverage busts that led to, like, 80-yard, you know, scores right. or anything like that, but there were so many 15- to 20-yard gains where you could tell, like, the safeties, there was a couple times where they, they were in too high. They rotated a single high, but the, the safety that was supposed to come down in the box, like, didn't, like, remember at first and, so, like, kind of, like, hesitated. And there was multiple slants to Michael Pittman before he went out. There were two plays where I was like, I'm pretty sure the safety is supposed to be rotating down into the middle, like, right where this is going. And then Joey Porter Jr. on one of those, he, like, plays like he's supposed to be, like, a cloud corner. Um, but then kind of comes, like, there was just over and over again. You know, Trenton Thompson, I think we talked about he's been pretty good, but he struggled throughout this game. But I think it really was – you saw guys, like, yelling at each other and trying to figure out what was going on after, like, 15 snaps on the film. It was like they just kept time and time again not knowing what their assignment was on a given play. Um, it probably happened with the backers, too. I just kept watching the safeties, <laughs> um, especially once Minka and DeMonte, you know, once Kazee went out. But, yeah, it was, it was a mess communication-wise. There were so many blown assignments in the back seven throughout this game. Oh man, I mean, there's guys running wide open that Minshew doesn't hit. Like it's just, I mean, if they played a good team, it would have just been lights out, man. This would have been 60 points. Like, and part of it is the injuries. I'm not going to totally ignore that. Like, I understand that that is part of it. Like, there's no doubt. But also, part of it is some of these guys aren't guys that are in there because of injury. They're in there because I mean, Levi Wallace isn't good still. Like, he's still out there playing snaps. Like, Patrick Peterson has to play safety when they lose both their safeties. And so, I mean, Patrick Peterson hasn't been good this season, even if he's been a little bit better lately. And so, you invested this season and this secondary in a lot of players who aren't very good at football. And that is tough. Like, you're not going to be successful when that happens. And yes, the injuries of linebackers have been a shame because, you know, Michael Walker – what am I going to, I mean, I'm not going to get furious with the guy. Like, I know that he's been put in a bad situation by the staff, obviously, but also like they don't have any other linebackers. Like it's just, is what it is. You lost, you know, two of your top three linebackers to injuries. It's hard to continue to replace that position. Although I would even say, I mean, like Mark Robinson's been the guy on their roster and then they didn't trust him to play. And then when he has played to be, to, to be fair to them, he got beat also in this game when he was in there for a touchdown. So that's a huge issue. They don't have anything underneath, so they can't cover. And also, big issue, Brad, and we've talked about this, I think, at times this season. I don't know if we've talked about it recently. They just can't run. Like, if somebody catches a ball underneath, 
it's amazing. Like you watch other defense around the league, guys just fly to the football, and Pittsburgh just doesn't fly. They can't. They don't have any but athletes. Like everybody in their secondary is slow, other than Minka. Now he's hurt and Porter Jr. And he's he's out there now, but for a lot of the year he wasn't even out there. So this season has just been such a major issue that they just can't get to the football fast enough. Um, and obviously they've allowed. We talked about how many splash plays they've allowed down the field. So it's not like that's the only issue. It's just underneath stuff they can't stop. You know, death by a thousand cuts. They've kind of had the worst of both worlds. It feels like, and this game was a prime example of that. I just felt like the Colts had so much space. The guys caught the ball underneath. Like there's no way. That the even if Michael Walker gets beat on that play, you can't give up a touchdown on the play. Like you got to tackle him short of the goal line, make him remember it was a second and long like goal to go situation. Make him go the rest of the way, you know, to finish the rep. Make him get in on third down. You can't get beat to the goal line on that play, and they got beat to the goal line. It's just like, man, you got to stop him in the field of play and not allow that play to become a touchdown. So little things become big things just because they don't have athletes to make up for all the issues that they have. Yeah, that was a second and 16, right? On like the check down to Zach yeah. Moss where he like had to stop his feet to catch the ball too. Like it wasn't a great, eh, yeah. he stopped his feet. I'm watching it right now. He, it was fine. But still, like, yeah, like you said, like for most football teams, a safety or a linebacker is beating you to the corner there. And it matters. Like they got to go on stop later in, what, at the end of the second quarter before, of course, they obviously gave up a touchdown, um, you know, as time expired. But yeah, no, it's, it's true. Like especially in today's NFL where teams like this team in particular – you know, like because so many opponents are taking away deep shots now, like it's all about creating yak opportunities, getting the ball, you know, outside of Pittsburgh. That's what they do. Um, you know, get the ball to playmakers with, with a head of steam. Um, and yeah, like it, it, the teams pick up three, four extra yards of play. It leads to, you know, first down conversions and things of that nature that, you know, if it had, like you said, death by a thousand cuts, if it happens five, six times a game, it's maybe a score where there wouldn't have been a score, um, you know, if they gang tackle better. So yeah, it, it showed up a ton. There was, over the top stuff, Moelle Cox and Alec Pierce, but I felt like it was more just like ten yard gains becoming sixteen yard gains, like time and time again. Yeah, about half of Minshew's um, passing yardage in this game came after the catch. Um, but I think yeah, it was it's a lot of those little things too, like especially in the touchdown. Like I just felt like man, it was like you got to get guy. It's not even that they're missing tackles. It's like you got to get a guy down inbounds, like in those situations, and so. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Frustrating game defensively. I mean, a lot of it is that a lot of these players won't be playing in the NFL next year. We talked about that at length this season. Um, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, Joey Porter Jr. was definitely a tough game at times, I felt like, for him. Now, I wasn't crazy about the flag against him down the sideline. I think maybe he could have let go a hair later, but he's also getting pushed, and they're jockeying for position, and you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Like, if that's the one that I does, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, but to me, it wasn't like the end of the world, that call in general. Um, but you combine it with the fact that he also, this is probably, I would say, the game that he got beat the most, maybe. I mean, the Chase game was tough because, like, in against Cincinnati, he played well, but Chase made a couple crazy catches on him, but he was right there. So I thought he played really well, even if he gave up some yardage. But this this was the game. I didn't think he gave it that much yardage, but it just in general, like if you watch the tape, I did not feel like he was consistently winning his one-on-one reps um, as well as I thought he would in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. No, I agree. Yeah, and I did think it was a decent matchup. Like a Pierce guy yeah. that cannot really separate a bigger body, I think. Yeah, the penalty, I kind of agree. I think he sold it well. Um, obviously it was a massive, you know, high leverage moment, uh, at the end of the half there, but I, I do think it was more of a, a good sell job than some egregious penalty, but you know, it's also kind of like he, he's grabby and it's, it's part of the game and you're going to get some of those calls sometimes, but I, I agree. Like, I, I do think a lot of them were communication issues, not even like him just not executing. So I don't know how you like, is that better? Is that worse? I don't know. Um, but like the first half in particular against Pittman, like two of his catches of his four total, I think reporter just running the wrong play or everybody else running the wrong play. I, I obviously couldn't tell you. Yeah. I mean, it. <laughs> I don't know either. Sometimes there's a player in, in the secondary that I'm like, what is this supposed to be? Like I, uh, it's so bad. I mean, they played a couple other snaps with 10 players on the field in this game. Like just like stuff that you just, I mean, every single game, they can't get enough players on the field. Like the stuff we're launching just doesn't happen in the NFL, Brad. It might happen for a week. It doesn't happen for a week. It ha- this happened for years in Pittsburgh. Like, I mean, they've constantly been penalized for not having enough players on the field or getting players too late or all these things. Like, it's just like as a sign of a team that is just not organized, organized, is not well coached, is not well prepared. Um, yeah, just I mean, they don't know what they're running half the time. Communication's bad. And I know there's injuries, but look, it's the NFL. Your job to get players ready to play, especially when going into the week, you know this. Like Michael Walker's not his first week; he's been with a team a month. Like he has to be more ready to play than this. Like you know, it just like that kind of stuff is really frustrating when guys don't know what they're doing all the time. When it feels like this is something you got to know at this point in time. So to me, that's killer. I think. Um, I mean, I do think to to in fairness, to, I thought Watt was awesome in this game. I thought Mega Fitzpatrick before he went down was awesome in this game. The play he made to break up the route on the play, he got hurt driving down on the ball and and disconnecting the receiver from the ball with that breakup. That was, he hasn't had many chances to make plays this year because he's hardly been thrown at it at all. I was looking at the numbers. I was like, it feels like I would just don't even mention him when he plays. Like 
no, he's never in the picture, you know, and he, except except run defense. We've mentioned that a bunch of times, but like in coverage, and I was like, yeah, he's two pass breakups in the year. He's barely been thrown at, barely been thrown at in plays. He actually has a chance to make a play on the ball. Um, so that's been it's just been a frustrating year for him. Now, it won't be surprised if we'll see he's out this week already, and you know, at some point, you just like, why, well, why bring him back if he isn't hundred percent the way this season's gone? So, and so I thought those two played well. You know, I mentioned Ogan Joby as playing well, at least on tape. Thought Highsmith played fine as well. Um, you know, Benton when he had opportunities, but the rest, it really wasn't a very encouraging performance for anybody else defensively, in my opinion. Oh, I mean, Highsmith, I thought kind of got displaced in the run game in particular. I'm not even sure if I watched like a cut up of his pass rush moves, but there was uh, a couple times where he was backside pursuit and oh, he got stiff armed the one play. <laughs> I forget who that was. I think I don't think it was Zach Moss. I think it was a backup running back. That was was, second half, right? Was that the second half? Yeah, that was second half. And he he, he did well to, you know, cross the line of scrimmage and get there, but then he did get kind of shook. But, yeah, I don't think it was a great game for him. Uh, You know, I know Cam Hayward's great for us is very bad. It's kind of, in my opinion, a little bit nitpicky. I see why. Um, There was a, 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 what was it, run play in the second quarter, the fourth and one, which I agree. Kind of lunges, tries to make a tackle. He's lined up over the tackle. Um, maybe like a four eye and, and just I don't say he gets displaced. He just like is so latched on and engaged in the tackle and the running back's coming right at him and he just tries to make a play with one arm um and, and just isn't able to do so. I you know, again, like some little stuff that I don't think it was like he was bad, but didn't sometimes you'll see that with, yeah. Sometimes you'll see that with him. I was just gonna say because he just doesn't have like great length. He's never had like a he's not like the biggest defensive tackle. So sometimes like getting guys all the way off his frame to like stack and shed blocks like some of the big power guys with the big long arms the Derek brown types if you watch him take on blocks just like full extension lockout toss like hayward's kind of always had to play like through and around blocks a little bit more and so sometimes it'll lead to cheating a gap or you know getting pushed over only having one arm to make a tackle little little things like that that once in a while will show up but yeah i didn't think he was bodied or anything in this game but like it was definitely a tough matchup and he wasn't getting much help and at the end of the game, Indy really just did what they wanted to do around the game. I mean, like I said, it wasn't like the whole game was bad for the defensive line. But by the end of the game, it was just like, yeah, this isn't like these guys don't look like they want to play. And I'm not saying Hayward, obviously, he's always ready to play. But just in general, it just felt like the team was defeated, um, was frustrated. And we haven't even gotten to the offensive side of the ball yet, Brad. So we got to talk about the KZ hit, though. Um, and people probably have seen that Devontae KZ was suspended for the rest of the season. And postseason by the NFL today, um, if the Steelers make the postseason, which they won't, um, for the hit on Michael Pittman um, on Saturday night, to which I obviously, as people who follow me on Twitter, have been apoplectic about. However, I've not heard your take on this yet, Brad, so let me allow you to have the floor to give your two cents on this play. Yeah, I... I think even the ejection itself was a bit egregious. Like, I I guess you throw a flag. It's today's NFL. Pittman was defenseless, I suppose. But, you know, Minshew's trying to layer it over Joe, Joe Porter Jr., who I thought also kind of got beat on that rep. And there is space there. And he's trying to throw it over the top, but in front of Kazee. But there's zero head-to-head contact. It's, it's, it's Kazee's shoulder. And I just don't really know how he's supposed to like, I mean, basically, it's just like either let the guy make a catch or 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 do what he did. Like, that's the thing is, like, are you saying that because he's supposed to just let the guy make the catch? Um, you know, it's it looked terrible. He bent it's he scorpioned his body. Like, I get all of that. It, he was, yeah, like he was defenseless. He's in the air, he's diving for the ball, um, you know, outstretched and, and gets crunched, but it's just like 
you know, because I thought the way he approached it with he didn't lunge, he did not go head first. I just feel like at a certain point, it's like, yeah, it's a violent game. It sucks. Like Pittman, it was an ugly hit. It just looked so bad. And so it's like, I think at the end of the day, the suspension is because of optics and because Kazee, which I guess this is a different conversation, but I guess he has like five fines this year for, for bad hits. I mean, he injured, what, didn't he, didn't he injure uh, Cole Holcomb he, too? So he, he he's, yeah. you know. <laughs> he has five and fines. He, Four were rescinded though. We should. Oh, well, there you go. But four yeah. were rescinded by the league on appeal and he's paid one. So yeah, I get the, the, the precedent thing, but the people mentioning that are just like missing the point. Like for that to matter, this has to be an illegal hit. And my argument is that it is not an illegal hit. And I understand if people want to disagree with that part of the take, I think give, I think most of the people who disagree with that part of the take, and I'm not saying this is in like, I played ball. So I know I didn't even play ball that long, but like, how fast things happen at that speed, like at that lead, it you don't have time to calculate the fact that in mid hit where his head is going to be when he's full extension diving for the ball, which you thought was going to be on the money up until a second ago. Like you're not expecting him to have to full extension dive into you. So that part is ridiculous to me because like you can't say, oh, it, the idea that somebody would accuse him of targeting the head on that play is completely insane to me. Like that just didn't happen. Like he just didn't do that. He, if anything, KZ is actually very low. So if Pittman had caught the ball standing up, he would have hit him pretty low on that play. Like if he'd have caught the ball and started, yeah. he would have probably flipped him um, on the play if he had caught the ball because KZ lowers his target area that much. Like his body actually drops down rather than launch up at a head or something. But because Pittman is full extension to make that grab, which is an incredible catch, by the way. I feel like everybody just lost the fact that he actually <laughs> caught that ball. Like that was like, yeah. that was nuts. It was a crazy play. Um, so yeah, the fact that like his head is so low, people are like, well, you hit him in the head. He's defenseless. Why is he defenseless? He's only defenseless on that play because of the throw. The throw has made him defenseless. Now I'll get to Tom Brady's comments in a second, which I, I, was, I knew you were going there. Yeah, <laughs> I generally agree with Tom Brady. I think he's overlooking one thing, but like, anyway, I, I, the full extensionness of the catch is why he's defenseless and why he's in a position to get hit the way that he is. So that can't be KZ's responsibility to account for. It is an unfortunate play. It's a hard hit and it looked nasty. And I, you know, I think Pittman's going to be fine, but I, I get that it looks ugly and me, but that is the game sometimes. Like, and you can't blame you. It's just like the NFL is obsessed with laying blame for anything overtly physical in the game that is overtly physical. Like you can't do it. Like everybody is getting fined all across the league for anything questionable. And it's unjust. Like, honestly, like I don't even think to me, I'm not even talking about like, Oh, like they're just got this call wrong. I think uh, in general, this is corrupt. Like what's happening in the league, like yeah. to be, to be fine. And this is what JJ Watts been on about for weeks now. And hopefully other players, I mean, he's an ex player, obviously now at this point, which, which hurts a little bit, Mahomes going off. Like those are the kind of things that have to happen. And Mahomes unfortunately picked the like a clear yeah. penalty to go off. That part drove me nuts. Cause I'm like, dude, all the things. You yeah. Just he had so much political capital as a guy who's like never complained. <laughs> and he picked the worst time to do it. <laughs> and he and he just the week before had a receiver get assaulted at the goal line. Yeah, true, but true. And he was like, no, well, that happens sometimes. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like that, that's yeah. when you need to lose yeah. your mind. And so anyway, that's, what's going to, it's going to take, but like, I'm just adding my voice to theirs. And like, this isn't right. Like it isn't okay that this is happening. And I know KZ will probably get 
this thing uh, pull back on appeal, um, you know, but he's still probably going to be a game or two and it might be the rest of the regular season. Like I, it's just not right. Like he's just playing the game of football on that play. Now there are other, other plays that hit on Cam Newton in 2018 that everybody's tweeting me today. Great. Like I'm sure that hit, I saw it. Yeah, absolutely. He should be fine for that hit. No question. Like that makes complete sense to me. Kareem Jackson earlier this year, the one that finally got him yeah. tossed for, well, he got suspended twice. Right. And then, well, that, uh, yeah yeah the second one like clearly launches himself upward at least with his yes. head like oh, this guy hasn't learned anything absolutely i totally get suspending him in that situation that just is not what happened in this play and it is clear that it's not what happened in this play like i don't even think it's questionable that that's not what happened in this play so if you want to say well he just has to like not hit him hard or the my favorite one brad has been well, he's got to make a play on the ball. He's not in position to make a play on the ball. Well, just be good enough to be in position to make a play on the ball. No, that's not what the sport is. You don't have to be. You can hit the guy. Like, that's part of the game. You don't have yeah. to be good enough to be in position to catch the ball every time. You can just be, especially when he's not even his main guy in coverage, you can just be there to hit the guy. That's what the sport has been forever. So to just change the parameters and say, no, you have to actually be able to make a play on the ball, like to be able to play your position well. That's not what the sport is. Like it's never been what the sport is. So that part of it to me is just insane. Like that isn't an argument that is grounded in the rules of the actual game. You can hit people when they catch the football. Like that is part of football. And so to change that and take that out and to say, no, in this situation, you have to actually allow him to make the sketch. Like you can't actually do anything differently than what he did in that spot. Like that to me is just like, not, it's not fair. It's not right. And, and this gets to what Tom Brady's comment was, which I agree with Tom. Now Tom Brady's going at it from a quarterback perspective and saying quarterbacks have the responsibility to et cetera, et cetera. I agree with him that that is true. I'm not like even attacking Minshew in this situation. Like it is his fault that Pittman got hurt. Like, I know he's not trying to do that. Like, so you know, in some ways, Tom Brady being like, just be better, <laughs> like quarterbacks. I'm like, okay, well, not every not every quarterback is going to be better. Like, I think it's Gardner Minshew. Like, these things may happen. It's just that when they do, when Michael Pittman laces up the cleats, when Gardner Minshew laces up the cleats, when Demonte Casey and everybody, when the officials, they all have to accept the fact that this is a possibility of something that can happen on a football field. We don't see it often. How many full extension grabs do we see where a guy gets hit as he's on his way down? Like, we don't see it often where something like this happens. But you have to accept the responsibility that this could occur within the game of football because it's part of the game. And so everybody's got to be on that page. And the officials just are not on that page. Like they see a hard hit, they just throw the flag. The fact that on review, this thing would go get that kind of a punishment, it's just bad, man. It's bad for the sport, it's bad for the league. And all it says is we're just looking to make a scapegoat out of people that hit hard. We want that stuff out of the game. And ultimately, we're not going to stop until that this is no longer part of football. And to me, at that point, it just isn't going to be football. Like you've already seen it with quarterbacks and stuff to a degree, guys pulling off sacks and not hitting people and then not finishing and wrapping up in the backfield and stuff. More quarterbacks getting away from pressure than they did before because guys are afraid of those things. But Ultimately, what you're going to see is either it just doesn't work and you're going to see more and more players suspended to the point that the players actually do something about it. This is the most the players have responded this year. So it's moving in the right direction, but it's going to take years for players to feel like they're affected enough, right? It's the affected party, right? The rich, you know, the players that are at the top of the league that have the biggest voices are not going to be primarily affected by fines. And so it's going to take things like that, I think, for players to get like basically justly angry and justly uh outraged at officiating on the part of probably the the Jalen Warrens of the league right and the KZs who aren't getting paid nearly as much um it's going to take that that kind of advocacy I think for this to stop because right now this is just corruption in my opinion and 
you know, although Brady's point about quarterback play is true, I don't want to put it on quarterbacks either. Like it's on the league to understand not every quarterback is going to be Tom Brady. Some quarterbacks are going to be responsible for hits that get guys hurt and you can't blame defenders for that. It's just not right. Yeah. I don't know if this is a hockey term. So I've tweeted it a bunch. I don't know if it's called a buddy pass in football too, but that's when like, yeah, like you throw up, you, you, you pass it to a guy that you're just setting him up to get absolutely teed off on. And, and Minshew has a couple of those a week. Uh, there was another one in the game. I tweeted this past weekend. It was like, I was like, dude, are you trying to get this guy killed? Um, <laughs> No, the fine thing is a good point, and, and it was a worthwhile rant because, yeah, I mean, Jalen Warren's losing game checks for, like, lowering his shoulder on runs or even in pass pro, I think one of them was, and it's absurd. And honestly, to larger conversation, you probably didn't hear about this, but, like, fine culture inside of buildings is, like, bizarre to me, and people talk about it like it's funny and, like, you can get fined every employee in the building. If you're making 60 grand to some, like, whatever, scouting intern, like, they can fine you for, like, eating a tuna salad sandwich. Like, it's a whole, like, weird running – it's it's like – I don't know. It's bizarre. Um, and everyone kind of accepts it and thinks it's, like, ha-ha funny, and I think it's, like, bizarre. But anyway, so to the actual football on the field. It's literally yeah. what corruption is. Read any book, like, in history. Yeah. Like, this <laughs> is what – when people in power do this kind of stuff, like, they call the shots, do this kind of stuff to people under their power. It's corruption. Like, that's what it's called. Like, yeah. I don't know why we don't call it that. Like, that's what it is. Like, it, it makes me it, – it makes me more angry than anything else in the sport because, A, it's totally unjust. But, B, it's not the sport. Like, this isn't football anymore. Like, and Brady's 100% right, too, when he said a couple weeks ago that the game's changed and it's not what it used to be. And no, it's, it's, it's so true. Like, it's just not what it used to be as a sport. Um, and I don't mean that to say, like, there's some rules I've been in support of. Like, I think the peel back blocks, you know, where real Heinz Ward stuff back in the day when he's breaking uh, Keith Rivers jaw and that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it was good to get this stuff. You can accomplish the purpose that you need to accomplish on those plays 100% of the time by just getting in the guy's way when you're talking about a crack. It doesn't need to happen on those peel backs the way that it was happening for years where they were just lining guys up for cheap shots. That was all it was. And like, yeah, that kind of stuff out of the game is good for the game. Like guys leaping up like Kareem Jackson did using their helmet as a weapon and spearing guys in the head is bad for the game. And I don't think that was nearly as prevalent as the league did, did obviously to make all the rules they've made. And my issue with it is the fact that you now have a ton of situations where officials cannot correctly interpret when that is happening and what isn't in the game. That's what's hard about policing it. They got it right in the Kareem Jackson case, I think. But a lot of times I see it called. We just saw who was the um, – J. Ron Kearse got called at the end of uh, the half, I think, against the Bills or something like that yeah. for a hit. Completely legal hit. The replay clearly shows it's legal. And they and they penalize him in the game. And it won't surprise me if he gets fined. Like the league doesn't care. Nobody can stop them. So they're just doing this stuff unjustly, knowing the players – their CBA is in place and they're not going to care enough about this right now anyway, maybe by the next CBA to do anything about it. And so the league just is taking at liberty and doing what they want to in these situations. And it's, I just think it's wrong. Like there's no way that cures hit. You can tell me that that is a problem. Like it just isn't like that's, that's exactly, you did exactly what you were supposed to do in that situation. And they're fine. And so that's where it gets me is that ideally the headshots thing is good, but the implementation of it is so poor and it's the same thing with hip drops. Like hip drops are even more egregious to me. Like, cause they're talking about that. Can you even imagine the disaster that's going to be like Wait, officials people don't to understand? Yeah. Happens? It's a nightmare. Cause people don't understand like you would have way fewer hip drops if you could just drive through people and, and lunge at guys, but that, that yeah. was getting taken out of the game. So now everyone just drags people down and it's tearing ACLs instead of, you know, like hurting other parts. No, 110%. I, my last thing is, and it applies to hip drops too, but it's more just, the annoying and frustrating thing, and this applies to so much of football in the NFL in particular, is care about the intent more than the optics and the result. Because 
like you said, I don't see how you consider a review booth as someone who knows football. It isn't John Runyon and like former players and be like, cause he was trying to injure Michael Pittman. There's no scenario where a logical person says that. So it's like, but there's probably plays where a guy does try to lunge and hurt someone, but nothing happens. He misses the play or the guy should you know, bounce off whatever. And like nothing comes of it. But it's like, if you're just really policing based on the outcome and not the process, it's just dumb. And it doesn't even make sense. Um, because yeah, I, I don't think there was any intent to injure what he did in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's just you. Yeah, you you can't make that determination from that play when a player is fully extended parallel with the ground. Like, how can you make a determination that he intended to injure him in that situation? You just you can't do it. It's 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 wrong, and so that's what makes me so frustrated about it. This is a Steelers example, but anybody who listens to me cover the Bucks, anybody who knows anytime I've talked about anything major that's happened in the league, you know, I'm talking about the J. Ron Kears player right now. Like, where you know, I tweeted after that play, I was like, somebody's got to get these officials out of here. They're just absolutely. I mean, that game was a disaster, and the first, thankfully the game wasn't close because people would have been talking about the officiating if it was. But um, yeah, just so many different times, it's just like man. And that's where my my hip drop thing tag. Like, ideally, would it be awesome to just say, snap your fingers and say, yeah, we can get hip drop tackles out of the league? Like, sure. Injury wise, yeah, looking at the data, absolutely. Like, it would be. Guess what? You can't because officials are never going to be able to determine appropriately when it's hip drop, when it isn't. Like, the one that got the biggest reaction this year wasn't even a hip drop tackle. And what, it was Andrews? Like, oh, I, yeah, it was not a hip yeah. drop. Yeah. I'm just like, this is what I mean. Like, it's just going to be a disaster because it's one thing to say, hypothetically, if they could figure it out and get it right 90% of the time, would it be worth it? They just aren't. They aren't even going to get it right 50% of the time. They're that clueless. And so trusting them with more responsibility at every turn is just a terrible idea. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, that's the funny thing, too, It's with the refs and just how they're always wrong. Like last night with the Jags game where Terry McCauley comes back to the Calvin Ridley catch like eight different times to just be like, I think it's the wrong call. They're telling me this. I disagree. So, yeah, it's like you're taking away game checks. You're taking away six figures from guys on subjective decisions that are, you know, could, could be wildly incorrect. Um, yeah, the hit drop thing is going to be a nightmare. And they've, and I, it's going to happen. They're going to put some language in. I'm, I'm sure of it because Goodell's now talked about it. Um and I just, yeah. What a disaster. It's, it's, I mean, it is, it honestly sucks. Like football is not as good as it used to be. And it sucks. And people are going to say, oh, you just want them to be barbaric and each other. No, shut up about that. That's stupid. Like nobody wants that. Obviously we just oh, want the no. game to actually happen the way it's supposed to. And like this, what they're policing is not it. And these, these hits are still happening by the way. Like, so, I mean, to take that into consideration and everything, like the game is just, this is what the game is. You can't police all this stuff out of the game. And if you try to, it just becomes a different sport. And 
I'm just not interested in a different sport. So I think like um, you said, there are plenty of just to kind of push the narrative for like there are like our our I think we agree. There are some rule changes or idea changes that we agree with. Like I, I always tie things mm-hmm. back to hockey and analogies, but like the old school bruiser, like guys on the roster that literally were not even good hockey players that were just enforcers there to just get in fights and just like, you know, like try to kill people on the ice, like don't exist anymore. And like linebackers that just are trying to, you know, headhunt or safeties over the middle that aren't actually good football players. either. like, those guys aren't really in the league either. Like, and then you're mentioning specific rules. Like, yeah, I want the best athletes that are, you know, making miraculous plays. But hitting is a part of the sport. Um, the more you try to police, like, I remember Gronk used to talk about it, where he was like, I'd rather a guy go high on me yeah. than someone dive at my knees and they're going to tear my ACL. Like, there's always a a knockdown effect. And, 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 you know, something comes of it that is an unfortunate, unintended circumstance or consequence of the change. Telling you, they go to hip drop. I don't know what guys are going to do. I don't know how you can tackle someone without you. You can't launch and drive through them, and you also can't use your body weight to pull them down. I'm not sure what you're going to do. Like I, I, you know, anyway. It's it's an it's going to be a nightmare if that happens. It's going to be. I mean, it, it, the problems that already exist with every single week with fans are going to just get worse. The problem is they won't care because people will keep watching, and so they're not going to care until it affects money, and only players can do that. So. That's where the, the players have the power, but they're probably not going to utilize it until the situation gets pretty dire, which could happen quickly. We'll see. But anyway, either way, it's just a horrible subplot to football right now. It's happening, and it's every week, and it's egregious all over the place. And it's going to affect the playoffs, and in my opinion, it affected the Super Bowl last year. And so it's not that specific penalty, but just penalties like officiating in general. It's just, yeah, it's over-policing the game has just led to a really bad product. It's not a product that it used to be, and Generally speaking, obviously, I still love football, but generally speaking, the product is just worse. Um, speaking of bad products, let's talk about the Steelers offense quickly here before you wrap up. Spent most of this show talking about uh, rules, which I think actually people may appreciate compared to talking about this offense. I've said the last two weeks, Brad, that the Steelers offensive line had played pretty well, despite, actually very well, despite the fact that they lost in disappointing fashion. And I stand by that 100%. They were atrocious in this game. Like, so bad. I couldn't believe how bad they were. Like, especially the second half of this game, everything got worse as the game went on. But the second half of this game, so my kids had a at a at a um uh musical thing, like a choir thing where they sang uh, on Saturday night. And of course, the Steeler game, they had was scheduled way before the Steeler game got moved to Saturday. So I'm like, oh great. So I go, so I watched the first half and then I watched some of the third, and then my wife and I, while we're in it, like obviously my wife's tired fan, Steelers fan as well. So we have the game like pulled up. So we're watching, but I'm not watching as closely as that would be if I'm on TV um, or if I'm watching on TV or something like that, obviously. So I'm going back and looking at them like, wow, they were just horrible. Like during this game, like, and that goes for pretty much all of them, which I mean, James Daniels had an awesome season. This is not it for him. I saw you guys graded him with a zero in fast. Hard to do. I mean, <laughs> The Colts like have a solid defensive line, but I mean, Dan Moore actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buckner Buckner was was over him a ton, and it was just a not a good matchup. (laughs) And all out of nowhere, Deo Odeingbo, who's been hurt, I think most of Andy Legend, Commodore's Legend, yeah, he's. I mean, I don't know that he's. Yeah, I see his numbers and stuff for this season. I know you guys have graded him like pretty average, but. This was the probably the best graded game of his career. I'm guessing. Like, yeah, I think it was. As a pa- he's a good pass rusher. I, I think he's coming along. He's got like a weird tweener, so he sometimes yeah. he gets washed out in the run game. Um, but yeah, no, he's a good pass rusher. Can has some inside outside flex. Um, was, I think it was more like four i five in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you take take a guy in the second round who tore his Achilles in like January of that year. Oh. 
Uh, you know, kind of the original David Ajabo. Um, it's been fun. It's been fun. He's 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 a freak athlete, and you saw it even at Vandy. Um, and it's it's all coming together now. Oh, that's right, Vandy guy. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's why. I'm, yeah, that's why I I'm wasn't honestly, his life story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked. I didn't like his college tape honestly that much, but I know a lot of other people felt differently. And here we are in year three or whatever it is for him, and it seems like he's flashing a little bit. But and then Ebucom just destroyed. I'm uh, destroyed. Dan Moore, which I knew this yeah. going to happen, that was what I was worried about. But seven pressures in this game, a couple sacks. It was a nightmare up front. I mean, so Trubisky to be as bad as he was individually like all that aside like people are oh well, he was under siege nobody's saying that even though it's true because he was so bad by himself apart from that that you couldn't even make the argument I mean, he is the closest thing to unplayable and i this is my biggest mistake as an analyst in years was i said i said you know kenny pickett's out i think you know it's not probably not that big of a deal like mr Bisky's like pretty bad as well like like i don't think kenny's good and i still don't think kenny was that good However, they're not even close to the same tier of quarterback. And I know I said this in the last show, but I just got to repeat it. And I just got to apologize to people. Like, I don't think any pick is very good, but like, they're not even close to the same. Like, this is a huge drop off to Mitch Trubisky. And then I'm sure it will be to Mason Rudolph as well. So, for what as bad as we all I think Kenny is at certain times, and, you know, at least he played well in the first game without Canada. And I don't think that would have continued given the fact that he's not that much better enough to make an offense this ridiculous look good. But, yeah, that there's no doubt in my mind that it would not have been this disastrous with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Like Mitch Trubisky, what are what are we? I laugh out loud. It was just I'm absurd. Sorry to cut you off. He so anything, <laughs> dude. I've been watching that for years, brother. I've been watching. Mm. I've been watching that for well, I haven't in a couple of years, which has been good for my sanity. But yeah, what happened to that Bucks game? The Mitch Trubisky threw six. I know. Six studies, six studies. I know everyone was was wide open in that game, but I mean, I mean, six studies is six studies. But Mike Smith, uh, anyway. Mike Smith defense. That was, those are good times. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, that was that was a ridiculous performance. The fact that that was an NFL quarterback was hard to even fathom in that game. Like, um, so he was terrible. Mason Rudolph's going to get the next start. Um, I don't ex- really expect that to be good, but you pretty much had to try something different and we'll see if Kenny comes back at some point this season, but um, it's kind of lost now for the Steelers. I think like, I know they're technically still in it actually probably, you know, the, Sunday didn't go that well for them. I feel like, right. No, Bengals won, uh, Colts obviously won, like all the, all those uh, Texans Browns won. won. Yeah. 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 Texans uh, like, so yeah, all those teams that, that were in that range all won. I feel like, Maybe we're forgetting somebody, but yeah, we just named four teams that now are ahead of them. So yeah, Steelers. Um, the I mean, the Jaguars are a potential wild card team. So it's well, like, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the Jaguars are still in that. Yeah, they're still in the four. Okay, yeah, they're still in the lead. Yeah, but they're eight and six. The same record right. as the the Colts and Texans. And Trevor Lawrence might not play against the Bucks. So it's yeah, just yeah. adds another team to the mix. I suppose. I, mean, I guess it kind of works out the same way. But yeah, no, I mean, you have to play Rudolph, but. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be that much better, um, I'm sure. Uh, but you, ha- right. you have to. I agree. It's, it's brutal. It's going to be hard to watch this team again next week. Who they who they play? I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, who do they play? It's crazy that this, this is the stretch they lost all the games to. Because these yeah, teams are just – they got the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals, Bengals right now are like one of the hotter teams in football. So it's yeah, yeah. Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens. Like you probably lose all three of those games. Yeah. Let's let's. I mean, honestly, let's hope. Like, what? I don't know that yeah. many Steelers fans want to see them make the playoffs at this point. Like, no, there's no chance. To even beat a winning, like they're not gonna. It's not gonna happen. They, they need help, and they need to win two of those three games. Probably, no shot. 
I can't see that happen. The Ravens are probably gonna be playing for the one seed. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, uh run game wise, they couldn't get it going. That was a real disappointment. I felt like um I thought early in the game there was a chance that they were gonna start to spring something. I just don't know what to do with the fact that Najeris is still out snapping, out carrying Jalen Warren when it's just clear that Jalen Warren's a better player. And Jalen Warren's not got as much opportunity lately. And so I know some of the numbers you know, aren't as crazy for him as we saw early in the year. But when he's got opportunity, he's been amazing. Like, I just – it's crazy to me that they don't trust that and don't want to lean into that at all. They obviously didn't run the ball enough in this game, I think, as the game – I mean, they couldn't because the game got out of hand faster than they probably anticipated as the game went on. But it just didn't feel like as soon as the Colts really – started going it just didn't feel like there was any chance they were going to win this football game because the offense just couldn't can't come back they can't do anything like they couldn't move the football they obviously had the short field off the block punt and then uh i think it was even that was at a four went for it on fourth down so even the touchdown drive they had a short field i believe um against indian so yeah i mean i just don't even know what to say like when you watch them you're just like this team can't do anything offensively um and they're 412 on fourth on third down, 216 total yards. That's but despite the fact that they're just ripping this thing at the end, like you should be able to pile up garbage yards. You still couldn't do that. Like you're down the whole second half. Like you're just throwing the ball. Like Colts are probably playing soft. Like they can't even do that. Like it was just, it doesn't look like an NFL product, Brad. The last three weeks have been hard to even talk about. The RB draw out of shotgun to Najee where he cut back inside right into the lap of, oh, I don't know, Taekwon Lewis or whoever that was. Maybe it was Buckner or Stewart, Grover Stewart. Like, I, it was just like Sumalu had cleared a gigantic hole um, by pushing the defender inside. I mean, it's literally he has 15 yards and he cuts back inside. I have no idea why. It, like, yeah, he doesn't fumble that often, but I thought maybe after he fumbled – I think it's like the second time of his career. I thought, okay, maybe they'll do the classic. Like, all right, he's going to get sit out for a couple series. We'll get more yeah. Jalen Warren. And yeah, like it just, he still doesn't get enough touches. Uh, yeah. No, they, the last three weeks, like you said, they've been as bad as any team in the NFL the last the last three weeks. Dan Moore, I mean, guys just running around him constantly. Like the pockets just compromised immediately. Eight pressures, eight allowed in this game. I mean, what or why was this guy still playing? And Broderick Jones, not much better in this game. Five pressures in this game, um, and it was ugly on tape. The the ends were just constantly caving in. I felt like um, it's just such a mess. Like there, it's hard to even know where to begin when you watch tape like this because you're just like, oh my gosh, every single player out there, like <laughs> nobody's executing well, like on a consistent basis. Um, was there a single bright spot offensively? Did you feel like? I mean, it wasn't the uh, worst game for like. Deontay, I guess Pickens had another couple plays where the effort. Yeah, was... but the jump ball he that he timed so poorly and got yeah. got picked off. Like I actually, I think the announcer agreed. Like Trubisky just kind of said, "All right, I'll let Pickens win a one on one against like a five foot nine or five foot ten Julian Blackman or five eleven. Maybe he's not a, not a very tall player, and he just times the jump so poorly. He's kind of like boxing out. Oh, it's Nick Cross. It was Nick Cross. Yeah, yeah. I think that was um, oh, pick, yeah. Blackman had the other the other interception right, uh, right. later in the game, but. Yeah, like he's he's boxing out, which I get, but it's just like never. I don't know. It was just he he was productive early on. I'm frustrated because I talked about the bet that I placed that that should have hit uh, on George Pickens, and that that catch would have sealed it, or the airmail from Trubisky. No, I can't tell you anyone on offense who had like a notably good game in this game. I honestly hated that play by Trubisky, and I saw I know what you're <laughs> saying, and I saw other people say it too. But to me, first and sixteen there after the penalty at the fifty. 
And he just threw up a prayer. Like, he just literally was like, this wasn't even the call. He was like, I'm just throwing up a prayer. And it was underthrown. So it was already going to be like a jump ball. And I, I get the fact that George Pickens and jump balls and all that stuff. First of all, he's like 29% on contested catches this season. So I, I don't think he's a bad contested catch receiver. I do think that might be real good evidence of the fact that contested catch is a ball placement uh, stat uh, to a degree, at least, obviously, you know, over a sustained period of time. I think you're you're trusting that a receiver is good in that situation once he has good numbers. But ball placement does matter. And like, yeah, I think that early in the year, that was a real struggle. And then when Pickett had some, they started doing the more of the 50 50s, the back shoulders down the sidelines, those numbers started to come up. And then with the Trubisky, it's been just atrocious. Um, I just thought it was a terrible decision and a bad throw. And yeah, you could say Pickens, you know, maybe could catch the ball. It's hard in that situation because Cross is also climbing his back a little bit. And so there's that pressure of someone like on your back, even if he didn't like use his back to like elevate. Uh, I think it's difficult, more difficult to time that when you've got like somebody else like leaning on you, basically that situation, not trying to make excuses. Like he did miss time in a little bit, but yes, yeah, I mean, it was just a complete wounded duck in the middle of the field. Like it was just like a punt. And I was just like, it's first 16, dude. Like you don't have to do this. Like, this is just a dumb decision. Like you don't need, if it's third and 16 at the 50. Okay. That's a different story. Like, but to that's me, like this, yeah. the game situation, the down and distance, knowing how off, knowing your pension for mistakes and like turnovers being something that kills the team. Like, to me, I just was like, this isn't even a good – like, there's nothing about this that's redeeming. Like, and that's just Trubisky. I mean, the second interception, Pickens wide open. He was wide open, and he just yeah. like – Oh, yeah, it's it was the worst – it was the worst throw of the week. I'll tell you right now. Like, I think I watched every throw. I think it was the worst throw of the week. I was so angry. In the year. Like, I just like this isn't – It was so ball. bad. Oh. Just – like, he how was, do you even begin with a product like this? With no pressure on him. Like, he, he steps into the throw, squares his shoulders. Like, it was just so bad. That's yeah, the thing. No. Even when it was good, even when he was clean, it was bad. Like, it was, there was nothing good about it. It was just such a mess of a game uh, and such a mess of a quarterback and offensive line performance. We can't even begin to evaluate the wide receivers hardly ever because they get so few opportunities and so few well-placed balls and there's so few routes called to their strengths and I mean, the messes are so extravagant. I think they have good wideouts and I think they have good running backs and everything else. Like Parts of the offensive line can be good. None of it was good in this game. It was, oh, it was such a mess. I don't even know, Brad. <laughs> I don't even know. Like Anything else? Yeah, Do you have I mean, any, yeah. other, any other offensive points to make in this one? No, no, I'm glad we did defense because I had more I had more thoughts. I was just kind of hands up, hands yeah. up on the on the offense. Four play action dropbacks. That's still not a part of what they do. Um really in yeah. general, an interception. And Trubisky, you should be doing all that stuff. Like he's good, good is relative, but like boot boot action and rollouts and half field concepts and all of that, it's kind of the only way. Like everyone shits on Matt Nagy in Chicago and all that. And in retrospect, I think the guy looks better and better every day. <laughs> Uh, like he did, he did the only he, things to make any sense with him. <laughs> correct, correct. So you know, look, it's yeah. yeah, made him look actually semi pat. And I, I know you're Bears fans, so you're probably gonna disagree with this, but I don't. Trubisky was bad in Chicago. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he was this bad. Like as bad as he's been the last. No, two I games. agree. Okay, I right. agree. I agree. Okay. I agree. I, I don't know if it's a loss of confidence or, or rust or what, but. But it's the, yeah. my thing, it's the same issues. So like it, it wasn't happening as frequently, but the same issues like or like they it's just weird. It's like, you know, I've seen so many quarterback progressions of like, okay, like they do this, but they learn learn from that mistake and then they don't make that mistake again. And let's like like yeah. Fields has plenty of problems. Fields has probably more problems than most, you know, passers, but he doesn't make the same mistake like multiple times that often. Like he just kind of has made a lot of mistakes. Anyway, 
now we're going down a, a totally different tangent. Um, uh, but no, yeah, he he wasn't this bad. I don't. I mean, he's like he is truly unplayable right now. Um, yeah. so like, yeah. to bench you to get bench for Mason Rudolph is is a pretty. I mean, that's just you don't come back from that. I he won't be with you Pittsburgh don't. next year. Perhaps another team will, but I just after after this audition, if this is truly it for him this year, like and he doesn't play again, it's hard to see how another team takes a chance on him. Like this could be, we could be seeing the end of his career, to be honest here. So, oh, it's been, it's been way worse than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. So um, tomorrow we've got to talk about something. <laughs> Another podcast, said, but there was really no point doing two podcasts about this game, in my opinion, Brad. Like I know we'll still watch the tape on some of the offense and I haven't gotten through all the tape on that side of the ball. Rewatch the game a little bit though. And I obviously got to focus on it closely being the fact that it was the only game that was live at least while it was competitive um but yeah i think generally speaking i mean i've seen so much in the l22 get tweeted out now over the weekend alex kazora and some others and seeing a lot of the same things i saw just with so like so much of it starts with the offensive line when you play that poorly there's it's hard to like get to other places offensively you don't even know what you're supposed to do a lot of the time so um got to rally somehow and and get back in and stay in the fight these last couple weeks but uh, if they lose these last three, we're gonna have some real interesting conversations. We've already had our thoughts like about what this direction this team should go, regardless of what happens over the next three. But I think if they do lose them, we actually might have some interesting conversations about the direction of this team and what's in it for them long term. I think so. We will uh, cross that bridge at some point. We'll figure out, figure out a fun topic for tomorrow because we just were so negative uh, for a whole show. Sorry about how angsty this was, folks, but that's just where we're at with the season right now. It's got to be uh, – it, it is what it is at this point. Like, it's it's hard to come up with things to say. So we're going to uh, come up with a good show idea for tomorrow um, for you all to put that one out there get you back on a positive train of mind. Um, if you listen for the big picture stuff, go back listen to some of the recent podcasts. We talked about that stuff. Had a lot of questions about Tomlin and this regime over the weekend. Um, referred a lot of people to that podcast. So if you have family and friends asking about them or you're curious about it, go check that one out as well. As always, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, just hitting that button. Uh, it's a free It's free to subscribe, free to uh, sign up to get uh, – you don't even sign up. You just hit a button and you get notified when our podcasts go live. It's pretty easy and it helps us out a ton if you do it. So appreciate you all. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of the Yin's No Ball Podcast. <laughs>